0: I see dead people. Watch it's it. It. It's it's it. It. Here's Johnny! Stop. <laughs> Fuck you too! Spooky
1: scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrinking skull will shock your soul, and seal your duty tonight. Spooky scary skeletons, stick with such a screech.
0: Ooh 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 ooh. <laughs> ooh 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 ooh! That's how we're gonna start. Is <laughs> that
1: how we? Thought. Ooh 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 ooh! Goo goo goo! goo. <laughs> oh yeah! Uh, this, is, this is how I'm gonna start the it. Yeah. <laughs> ooh! Oh, he's got some goo in his lungs, boys. Well, That's been there for years. Oh, the tar, it's the smoke. <laughs> R.I.P. My life. <laughs> so, uh, I'm I'm sitting back and I'm I'm smoking for the the first time in a in a little while with uh, Deputy Dewey here. Mm-hmm. The Dewdrop back in the house. Hello, <laughs> back for a solo ep. Oh, hello. Hopefully the uh, the first of many. Um, I see you a lot more than I see Punxsutawney Trill or Lanky Lucifer. So it makes more sense to bring you on. As like a solo episode guy from this point forward. Well, Lucy also went back to the depths of hell. And yeah, he's by that I mean California, California.
0: wildfires. <laughs> so we might not see him for a bit. But yeah, I, I know you and Punks just went through uh, some Disneyland adventures together, though. Oh so my it's god, they're romantic.
1: Those two episodes are so fucking funny. Because like, just a bunch of Frowns, big sweaty
0: men. Frowns will just like and the fart, children.
1: <laughs> and and Punks will crack up laughing. He'll just be like, I don't care if farts are funny. Like, <laughs> I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't find farts nearly as funny. But that man that man just finds moment. such stupid shit funny. <laughs> I'm sure everyone has seen the title of this episode. Um, so you know what we're doing. We're back for more of Alvin Schwartz's wonderful, scary stories to tell in the dark. I decided after my last episode with Disco D that, Um, we'd kind of hop off and I'd give a different person a little bit of Alvin Schwartz for every episode and um, see how everyone can kind of uh, bring back those memories, see their first, uh, you know, illustrate the first time that they saw that book or, or read some of these stories. And, you know, I, I need, I need people who have connections to this type of material in order to, to get that, To seek their memories out. Um, Deputy Dewey. um, Do you remember the first time you read any of the scary stories to tell in the dark? Oh yeah.
0: Uh, So growing up, I was a basement dwelling type of child. Uh, I had a nice little ranch home that had an awesome basement. Had everything that I needed in it. You know, it had my, my Super Nintendo. It had my little war battle buddies. And it also had two very special books that I loved. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark with the little uh that man's head in the pipe growing out comic- of the farm field. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just an awesome image that everybody knows and remembers. And also uh Creep Show's comic book.
1: Yeah. The comic book's which that's, is that's literally what started. It.
0: it that one that I had was literally like basically the movie. It had the crate in it and it had uh I think it was uh my birthday, the, that like weird
1: uh, the dad, daddy's yeah, birthday, uh, Father's yep. Day,
0: and also the one where the uh... my
1: curse,
0: <laughs> just all the zombies of, of the this car- this killer like buried people in the yeah. in the sand and the the waves came over and then they came back all yep. seaweeded.
1: They were they were all drowned.
0: Those were my like my two books that I just remember fondly of sitting there and reading in the dark.
1: It's so loving. funny that you mentioned that. Not just because. The Creeper is my my new um, Funko pop here on my on my studio shelves in my very eccentric room. But I'm actually I have tickets on like the day before Halloween to go watch Creep Show live. And Dust Dawn And or... Dust Dawn mm-hmm. with Tom Savini.
0: Oh, okay. Who has
1: done the special effects and ultra stars in from Dust Dawn And um like he himself is such a funny guy and i believe he was also in um Land of the Dead you know he he's been in some obscure horror movies but he's but he's known for doing the special effects for Creepshow okay the first two oh, movies so good i'm so excited to see him because Creepshow 1 and 2 were like some of my favorite horror movies <laughs> as a kid, like, they had to have been some of the first ones my dad showed me, because he thought they were, like, hokey enough for me to not get creeped the fuck out mm-mm, by. Mm-mm. But not it's, hokey. <laughs> but it still <laughs> fucked up. with me. Yeah. And you know which ones actually fucked with me the most out of all of them? The Indian from Creepshow 2. Oh, okay. The statue. Yeah. I... Since that, I've had like a fucking thing for statues, man. Like I just don't <laughs> trust them. Oh, he's
0: creeping you out. I don't it's gonna trust them
1: to come to life. And I think Hunt um, me down. when I met when I met Harold Heavy Hands, and he told me how much he hates the movie Rose Red because of the statues. Mm-hmm. F- part of me like felt him. You know, I was like, <laughs> I feel you, man. Like, like I hate Weeping Angels from Doctor Who. Like, mm-hmm. fuck them. Um, Killed your girl, Jillian. None of that shit. I also really like sometimes when I'm driving late at night I do think of the thanks for the ride lady like Dead <laughs> Dead the Hitchhiker yep. from Creep Show 2 and sometimes I'll be like man that would really that really suck wouldn't it? <laughs> I, think, I think
0: I heard that they're gonna try and, and reboot them too. But well, could the, be the show. Yeah. There's a
1: new show on Shudder. Um it did six I believe brand new stories and I would say um I would say most of them are pretty good. Um, one of them's a werewolf, one of them's like an alien spore, very reminiscent to the Stephen King short from the first movie. Okay. Um, do you watch any
0: of the new, it's not Haunting of Hill House now, it's Bly Manor, I believe?
1: I'm actually funny. I'm, I'm, I'm funny. He's hilarious, guys. It's funny that, thank you, (laughs) that you bring that up because I just finished watching it yesterday. Oh, okay. Have you watched it? I have not watched it
0: yet. So I I the Haunting of Hill House show took me forever to finally watch because everybody told me that I was gonna love it, and that just like plants a seed in my mind. Like Expectations. I don't want to watch this until I'm ready to watch it. Yeah. And it finally happened this past summer. Fucking love the first five episodes. And then it gets like a little soapboxy near the end, but still was brilliant. So like I'm waiting for the right time to finally dive into this too cuz I just finished watching don't. all the Harry Potter movies. Don't.
1: don't. Oh no. <laughs> don't don't give yourself the time and the respect of the first season. The first season is so wonderfully crafted and perfectly paced and and it 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 floats this line of being beautiful and horrifying. I would say Nell's twist at the end of episode Uh, five has like, has haunted me, has (laughs) like haunted me since I first saw it like two or two or so years ago. Like I remember disco D telling me that I needed to get get on it ASAP. And it was at his behest that I was like, okay, all these people telling me to watch it. You know, he tells me to watch it. I guess I got to watch it. And I watched it all in like one weekend and I was like, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Like, so, um, I've probably talked about it on the show tons of times, but it's like, I, I do think of like the afterlife a little bit as the way, like, uh, the Crooked Neck Lady, like sequence, like happens, like a flashing mm-hmm. of your own life, you know, before your eyes. Getting those deja vu. So like, um, so like to see that illustrated
0: in, She's just in been this season, herself
1: her entire life. in this season was just super terrifying. And I, I also just... I loved all the acting. I loved all the writing. I loved the direction. Like, like the, the director, um, I believe his name is Mike or at least one of, I think it's Mike. Um, he, uh, he did Dr. Sleep. He did Gerald's game. He did Oculus. He did Hush. He's done a solid, you know, couple features. Um, and and specifically features of like Stephen King shit, so like, good for you, man. So what he does with um with Hill House just blew me out of the water. Hey, makes more sense now, doesn't it? Yes. Hey guys, um, I was so stoned that I was recording with the wrong microphone. <laughs> and the weird part is too, I went for fucking broadcast
0: journalism, and I'm looking at these levels. And I'm just like, well, that's these not right. levels, don't but am make I gonna sense. say anything about it? Absolutely not.
1: I'm not a <laughs> professional. Why do you have this much trust in me? <laughs> I gave um, up that life a long time ago. Now, so just to get get back to it, like, um, do not do not give yourself expectations for blind manner. Do not give it nearly as much like respect and timing and patience as you need to. Okay. It is not the same thing. It, they do not carry the same emotional weight. Oh, no. the, the story is not paced the same. The The, the direction is less inspired. Um, before
0: getting on this today, we talked about how much character development matters and caring about the and characters. Caring about I the characters. cared about that entire family in Hill House.
1: That's the thing about Hill House. Everyone is so goddamn likable. Um, or at least you feel pity for them, you know, in, in some ways. And it's like, (laughs) I was just telling someone earlier today without spoiling anything. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. You know, I will talk as people let me talk, but you know, I, I'm starting the argument by just saying blind manner is, pales in comparison to Hill House. Um, I probably only cared about, like, three of the characters out of, like, the ten that the show kind of focuses on. Mm. And that's, like, really tough because they are not, like, three characters who are in, like, every scene. Most of them do not tend to share the screen with each other, mm. um, only in smaller sequences. And um, it's it's really tough. And the acting is is good, but, like again, without spoiling anything, like, the ghosts just don't matter. I guess is is what I'm saying. Like, this, you know, there's, there's a fine line in the show, I would say, with Hill House, where the ghosts always play, like, a presence that you are both terrified and intrigued by. And you do not have that in this series because... There are ghosts that can talk and there are ghosts that can't and you don't like either of them. Mm, okay. And neither of them are interesting or illustrated interestingly or artistically. They're very just stereotypical like looking ghosts. Mm. Um, you know, it's and and two of them more specifically um are simply there to move the fucking plot, True. and it isn't. An, in my opinion, both of them are stupid ass characters. It is still made by the same person um, too, right? I believe, yeah. Hmm. I, I believe uh, Mike. I, I hope to God his name is Mike. Let's <laughs> uh, let's let's give that a quick Google. Uh, Hill House, Mike Flanagan. I was correct.
0: Um, he had a movie come out too just recently that wasn't too bad, if I remember correctly. Doctor Sleep yes, love Dr. Sleep. Yes, I that said was it. it. Yep, yep.
1: I said it. <laughs> Dr. Sleep. Um yeah, he, he's he's a really good director, and this was this felt like a misstep for him. Which is um They can't all be great. Which is what I'm telling myself. <laughs> if if you will allow me to say, you know, he's allowed it but that's that's where I'm getting pretentious. Blind manner is not bad.
0: It's just not as good as it's Hill House. Good, and it's Sleep.
1: good spooky material. I would say it's not scary at all. It's a fucking drama. The entire thing is just people on their fucking soapboxes finding ways to complain about shit. Um And that's quite literally the show. Like, each of these characters are unlikable and let's let's give ourselves reasons why. Um Whereas it felt like Hill House was like here's here's why all of these characters are unlikable but here's why you'll feel bad for them and and understand why they act the way they do and like that wins you over on an emotional <laughs> level whereas the backstory that they give you about these people is like both mundane and stupid <laughs> it's like it's like learn about how petty this person was and then they died
0: oh well that's that's some character upbringing right there. no
1: it's not. <laughs> No, it's not. It's saying that they're shitty in life and shitty in death, and that's all, all that they were. I mean, can a person so turn around. Can a person really avenge themselves in death? So turn <laughs> That's literally what the show's about. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so turn around like on your next day off and just say turn fuck it. And put it on. Bly manner. <laughs> yeah, turn around because I want to Every now, you now and then you let me down. <laughs> no, because like I I literally had so many expectations and they even keep the soundtrack. You know, they keep that wonderful piano languished kind of theme and it just so doesn't fit these people. So when you try to insert these big, you know, gestural noises and, and soundtrack, you know, whole movements, it just doesn't feel good at Mm -hmm. all because you're, You're either watching someone spiral downward and it's just sad or you're watching like characters you don't like just bicker with one another. Just continue
0: to be horrible characters.
1: Um, Now, uh, it might get me some flack for saying that I don't like any of the main characters. I'm sorry. The only one I like is the cook and he's barely in any of the show. Um, So, yeah, it's like. I don't know. It's acted very well, so it's hard for me to say I don't like the main girl, but she fucking has to carry the entire show, and for me, she just fucking doesn't. It's the same actress who played Nell in mm-hmm. the first season. Yeah, they brought
0: but, back a couple of them, I but think. But the
1: character just isn't as good as Nell, so I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, she has, like, a really shitty backstory. Oh, no. And then you continue to watch her, and you're just like, I don't care if this character dies. <laughs> like, like, at least that's how I felt. Hashtag not my Nell. Hashtag not my Nell. <laughs> so yeah, blind Manor can, can fuck off. I will continue to watch Hill House until the day I die.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Hill House is one of the best horror narratives I've ever had the pleasure of watching before. Um, and I say that wholeheartedly. I know COVID has
0: definitely ruined some things, but is there any like upcoming spooky things that you might be interested <sighs> in seeing? I know you are always got a, a, a thumb on the pulse of what's coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I really want to see that new Candyman. Oh, okay. Dying to see that new Candyman. Actually, it got moved, I believe. I don't think we're gonna get it this year. Um, I want to see where the new Halloween goes. Um. Oh God! This, gonna... this
0: is it. Still a uh, continuation of the last yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't it's actually turn
1: in that. Thing. It's Halloween, it's and then I think it's. Oh my god. Yeah, it's Halloween Halloween kills and Halloween um, dies or Halloween's Halloween something? Halloween So
0: there are th- there are three of them. So they're gonna I kill know. Lori again? Before she dies, I mean, or is it gonna become a I mean, fucking uh, I mean, a Carrie maybe. Fisher Star Wars thing?
1: I'm I I don't know, man. I'm, I hope <laughs> not. But um but God knows that's the direction they were going in with the, the three the three generations. Okay. Um. So yeah, there's gonna be three of them, and I know the second one, I believe, is Halloween Kills, is actually supposed. It was supposed to come out, and it's not anymore. I Actually, um, grew up
0: more on Michael than I did on Jason. Honestly, I I really enjoy a lot of those movies, like even Paul Red one, <laughs> the one with the little girls. I feel like
1: uh huh. His little kind of his like little niece. curse
0: and return.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um. And then there's three. Honestly, I like three. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that honestly. Just because like that's like a it's fun. It's a pretty interesting story there.
1: It's a fun one. It's uh, it's it's the holiday that haunts you where it matters, uh, commercially in your homes. <laughs>
0: and then they realize where you oh, think you're oh, safe? Slashers make more money. Let's, yes, let's they go do. Back.
1: No one wants <laughs> psychological thrillers. Um, yeah, I um, what was I? I don't know, what are you? I wanna say I was a nightmare on Elm Street, kid. Okay. Because I genuinely was. But I'm a level with you. I think I've watched all of the Fridays more than I've watched anything else. That's
0: why I said such things. I, I figured that you were. I know, a Jason I know Mark guy.
1: Rooster would be would be happy to hear me say that, but I'm not saying it necessarily out of fandom. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that <laughs> they don't require any thought so you just put them on and they all kind of melt into each other yeah whereas the halloween ones is like let me try to give you a plot in between all of this killing and i'm like no no just just the killing but he's
0: got the the darkest eyes you know the the devil's eyes
1: the shape <laughs> um you know i
0: and at some point i don't he care a dog. about
1: his mental state i don't care if lori's his sister i don't care if he's trying to get his fucking niece uh, f- uh, impregnated with his evil soul I don't give a shit I want to see Creepy White Mask killing people In crazy ways Because he's fucking evil Coat And hangs. I think that's why I like the Rob Zombie ones A little bit Because, <laughs> oh, it's, no. because it's just a fuckhead uh, The second one is such an acid trip though Yeah really I mean a <laughs> lot of zombies movies are fucking acid trips If you think about it Um Oh, well, corpses definitely. I think Devil's Rejects isn't really much of an acid trip. It's like a bad acid trip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad. It's like trip. when the
1: it's like when the acid doesn't hit and you're just pissed the entire time.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen Th- Three from Hell. Is that? It's the pretty newest bad. Film? You can yeah. skip. It. I know Sid Haig is basically dying in it. that movie. So. Oh no, he
1: he died.
0: Like right after it was filmed, I think.
1: Oh yeah, he shot his five minutes and then and then cashed that paycheck and then cashed his <laughs> his real check. Into the one who comes calling, ooh, ooh. Uh, the Grim Reaper himself. That, and is Jones. that you?
0: Yeah. Oh, Capitan Morde. No, I'm the
1: cap. I'm the captain of death. I'm not. Uh. The, I'm not the collector. <laughs> <laughs> death isn't evil. The He's boat. just
0: terribly good at his. I job I keep the
1: boat stirring in the right direction. Ugh. I keep it. Uh, I keep it steered north. You know, to all of our hearts. But that's. Uh, that's about it. Um, yeah, I, I think... keep us entertained I'm the <laughs> asshole in the back of the boat with the accordion Okay
0: Yeah, I think Halloween, Chucky, and Leprechaun Were my Fuck. big three when Jesus I was growing Christ, up Jesus Christ,
1: you picked like the three worst <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, a little shit ain't too bad I'd, I'd easily put um, my relation to Ghostface above, above any of you, those shitheads You hate Ghostface though I'm not a too big much, fan. Too much of, fourth wall breakage. I'm not a big fan of the screen movies, no. But I definitely saw them more than fucking Leprechaun and Chucky. <laughs> I just I thought Randy Chucky was such so bullshit. I'm a level with you. I didn't like Chucky at all. As oh, a kid. Charles
0: E. raised a fun character. The first though. The first movie
1: the first movie is great, and then it like tries to be a comedy from that point forward. I enjoyed Campy like, Boot Camp. I'm like, nope, <laughs> not don't like the character enough to give a shit. It's like a, it's like Jason waking up one day just realizing he wants to be neighbors with these kids instead of killing them all the time. Like I'm I'm done. Check me out, mate. <laughs> Good old Jason X i love jason x <laughs> i love jason x i will go as far as saying i love jason x when he just and it's the only one that hasn't gotten a theatrical fucking release <laughs> really I mean, would that one straight to DVD? i would it went straight to sci-fi oh that was I didn't a know sci-fi that. original my I friend no idea about that oh is it, is it surprising <laughs> <laughs> how about some premarital sex
0: <laughs> and just fucking beats them. With his puts him
1: in a sleeping bag and slaps him against a tree. It was great. He gets distract. He does that for a half hour. He gets distracted. They're like, let's put him in the simulator. He'll never know what reality is anymore. <laughs> he just picks up the nearest teenager and smacks him into a tree for just thirty happy years. Happy to be back at Camp Crystal. Yeah, man. Um, good times. Uh so your your relationship before we got completely sidetracked <laughs> Let's just go through every horror movie ever made Your relationship with scary, to scary stories, stories To tell in the dark <laughs> Is that you would hide in your basement Away from responsibility mm-hmm. In the spooky shadows of the spaghetti Reading Alvin Schwartz's words
0: Just give me those fucking great folklore tales And modernize them yeah, And urban I'm legends. all about it Like the hook, the babysitter Those two were my jams Now, did you only read the first book? I think I had more. I
1: definitely read all three. It's just
0: I remembered the first one more. I definitely didn't have three. I
1: had two of the three. Okay, so, Um, well, everyone following this episode knows that we read book one over parts one and two. So we got all the songs and the fun, big stories that people can remember, kind of out of the way, and even this as like a recollection for me. You know, I don't know if I'm gonna remember many of these um, from this book, but I uh. imagine I'm gonna have a lot of deja vu moments, kind of going like, "Oh shit, I remember I know this where one!" This is like, going. yeah, I do. I do imagine that's going to happen um, a good amount, just because um, I read these so much as a kid. I'm not gonna wax too poetic on it because I did talk about it in episodes one and two, but you know. Even even I'm an artist, so I really appreciated the uh, the illustrations um, for how beautiful and horrifying they were. Even as a kid, you know, my mom would find that those books and be like, what the fuck are you reading? Get this out of my house. (laughs) And I would instead just read it at the library instead because she used to drop me off there all the time. So it's just like. You know, I read them anyway. I have so many memories of reading these stories in different places and hiding these books from my mom because she did not want me reading them because I absolutely had nightmares about these stories. (laughs) And you know who had to deal with that? My fucking mom at two o'clock in the morning with my dumb ass crying next to the side of her bed. She probably wanted to punch me in the fucking face.
0: Well, you were just weak. (laughs) <laughs> Just kidding My mom was the opposite, the opposite The <laughs> opposite. She got me into horror At a very young age And we continue to watch horror movies together As we get older Which makes me ask about this How did you feel about the movie Jealous. that came out A little while ago
1: It had good intentions And I understand that it had to get away With it's PG-13 rating mm-hmm. And for the most part i definitely say it did It was the, scarier than I thought it was going to be The fat lady
0: was very creepy That was very well done
1: I was gonna say all of them were well done. I I even found the main ghost girl who was trapped in the house unsettling. Yeah, um, you know, uh, it's it it was hokey as fuck.
0: I think my favorite character might have been the jock that got eaten by the scarecrow. Though honestly, yeah, he was like a fun character to watch. And then like I don't know, like the it the, got him real the quick. chubby kid and and the main girl. I wasn't into
1: it. The the. Spanish boy He was kind of cool I liked him The one who Absconded from war And got taken down By me Ty Doty Walker <laughs> Um Yeah uh, A lot of The the kid who gets Taken by Big Toe Lady He kind of just Comes and goes Augie
0: I think his name was Right Probably Something silly
1: And um The kid who gets Absorbed by uh, By Fat Lady you know, it's it's some unsettling shit, and that's probably the best word I can think of for that movie. I wouldn't say it's horrifying, I'd say it's unsettling. I'd say if they can push the boundaries of that rating a little bit more, push those, you know, uh, frontiers a little bit further, um, we could have a really good second movie, which I heard is early in the works. Nice. Um, but I do understand that it kind of has to be an anthology effort, and from a certain standpoint... Um, a continuation of the same story that we just had is kind of dumb. I still want my trick-or-treat, too.
0: I don't know if that's
1: We happening. might get that. Daugherty is really open to the idea. I think after he just did um, Godzilla King of All Monsters, um, I think he finally came around the bend and said, like, let me pour a lot of money into doing this myself. And that that might happen. Uh, I think little, we're all... Jack... I think we're all Sam, little Sammy. (laughs) Yeah, don't you forget Sam Hain, (laughs) little Sam Hain. He will haunt you. This is the season. Um, I think. uh, I think we're all wishing for a uh, trick or treat too. Um, Ever since the first one even came out, I think we were all going. You know, this this harkens back to the good days of you know George Romero and Stephen King. You know early 80s shorthand storytelling uh, creep show, Tales and from they the
0: Crypt Tales too? from
1: the Dark Side Beautiful. Twilight Zone, yeah, some great, great shit um, so I'd say without further ado uh, we're gonna get into Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, more, book, book two, um, which I think you are correct, I do, I do believe it is uh more Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, um Yeah, yeah. Alvin Schwartz. Uh, again, wonderful illustrations by Steve Gamel. Uh, we're looking at opening cover page. One fun little oozy guy <laughs> screaming in the basement with, with a little baddie boy behind. Was that him. you? Was that you? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's that's the noise you make. Um, for people following along, uh, this is kind of like a read with Deputy Dewey and Captain Death. <laughs> More scary stories to tell in the dark, collected from folklore and retold by Alvin Schwartz. Um, I believe we have a skeleton playing a violin or something up top. Very, very. That'd be drawn And this is clothes. this is for Lauren. Nice little pig head hanging from my clothing, uh, clothing line. As they do. Um, okay, so we're gonna uh, starting with uh, the contents. We're gonna get straight into the hoo-has. Hoo-has. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: want to read this? Yeah, sure. So this is hoo-has, guys, and on the cover uh, this, of this one.
1: Yeah. So these this this first section of stories. Um, you're going to read the description for what hoo has are. But this first section of stories are called hoo has
0: Here we go. These scary stories will take you on a strange and fearsome journey where darkness or fog or mist or the sound of a person screaming or a dog howling turns ordinary places into nightmarish places. Where nothing is what you expect. People who have been telling scary stories for as long as anyone knows. From the first, they were tales of supernatural creatures that people feared would harm them. Boogeymen, monsters, demons, ghosts, and evil spirits lurking in the dark, waiting for a chance to strike. We still tell stories about creatures we fear, but not all of them are about boogeymen and demons. Quite a few are about living people. We'll meet some of them. A fat and jolly butcher. (laughs) A friendly girl who plays the drum a neighbor well howdy and others who at best are not to be trusted that's me deputy dewey (laughs) but you're an (laughs) officer of the law (laughs) exactly oh shit 2020 okay (coughs) scary stories of this kind often have a serious purpose they may warn young people of dangers that await them when they set out in the world of their own. See, this is why I read this stuff when I was young in the basement. <laughs> but for the most part, we tell scary stories to have fun. We turn out the lights, or we leave just a candle burning. Then we sit close together, like me and this guy, and tell Here the scariest the stories Couch. we know. Oh no, it's no wonder it's sticky. <laughs> Often these include some that have been passed down over hundreds of years. If a story is scary enough, your flesh begins to creep. You get a shivery, shaky, screamy feeling. Good old screamy feelings. Hell yeah. You imagine hearing and seeing things. You hold your breath as you wait to learn how it all ends. If something startling happens, everyone gasps or jumps or screams. Some people call these shivery, shaky, screamy feelings. Again, the heebie-jeebies or the screaming meanies. (laughs) That's, that's when your memes just, you know, they start screaming. They just start screaming at <laughs> The poet T.S. Eliot called them the hoo-hahs. That's what I call boobs, but whatever. <laughs> You'd better read the stories in this book while you are still feeling brave and before it gets dark. Then, when the moon is up, tell them to your friends and relatives. You'll probably give them the hoo-hahs, but they'll have fun and so will you.
1: Princeton, New Jersey,
0: Alan Schwartz.
1: What a guy, you know, when he he writes these little informational backstories to some of the material he's picked up over time. Um, uh, so... Hoo-hahs. And then to describe what we're about to read a little bit, um, this is a section called When She Saw Him, She Screamed and Ran. This chapter is filled with ghost stories... In one, a man has just become a ghost, but doesn't know it yet. In another, a pirate ship and crew return from a watery grave, and there are other frightful events with a fun little bat boy, looking a little soggy. Might be part cat. There's a guy answering a phone. Uh, It's a fun one. Uh, It's a wrong caller. Um, I'm gonna read this first story, which is called "Something Was Wrong." One morning, John Sullivan found himself walking along a street downtown. He could not explain what he was doing there, or how he got there, or where he had been earlier. He didn't even know what time it was. It's like that once-in-a-lifetime song. (laughs) (laughs) How is this beautiful house? How is this beautiful wife? When the days go by, when something was wrong. (laughs) Something was wrong he saw a woman walking towards him and stopped her i'm afraid i forgot my watch he said and smiled can you tell me the time and when she saw him she screamed and ran oh that's a weird time then john sullivan noticed that other people were afraid of him when they saw him coming They flattened themselves against a building or ran across the street to stay out of his way. There must be something wrong with me, John Sullivan thought. I'd better go home. He hailed a taxi, but the driver took one look at him and sped away. (laughs) The awful twist about this is that he's black. (laughs) (laughs) He's just really ashy, actually. I would say this is Gary Coleman after his parents stole all of his money. John Sullivan did not understand what was going on, and it scared him. Maybe somebody at home can come and get me, he thought. He found a telephone and called his wife, but a voice he did not recognize answered. Is Mrs. Sullivan there? he asked. No, she is at a funeral, the voice said. Mr. Sullivan was killed yesterday in an accident downtown, downtown. Bum, 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 bum. He was dead. It was Bruce Willis. You get to read The Wreck. My Life. Oh.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm rewrite this. The captain. Oh, <laughs> the captain.
1: <laughs> the captain.
0: <laughs> Fred and Janine went to the same high school, but they met for the first time at the Christmas dance. Fred had come by himself, and so had Janine. Oh, this is like a Just a midnight train. (laughs) Yeah, it's Journey. Soon, Fred decided that Janine was one of the nicest girls he had ever met. They danced together most of the evening. At 11 o'clock, Jean said, or Janine, my bad, I have to leave now. Can you give me a ride? Sure, he said. I've got to go home too. I accidentally drove my car into a tree on my way over here. (laughs) All right, Janine, she said. I guess I wasn't paying any attention. (laughs) what? (laughs) Fred drove her to the head of a Brady Road yeah, that's Fred drove her to the head of Brady Road it was in a neighborhood he didn't know very well why don't you drop me off here, Janine said the road up ahead is in a really bad condition I can walk from here Fred stopped the car and held out some tinsel have some, he said I got it at the dance thank you, she said I'll put it in my hair, and she did Would you like to go out sometime to a movie or something, Fred asked. That would be fun, Janine said. After Fred drove off, he realized that he did not know Janine's last name or her telephone number. I'll go back, he thought. Don't they go to school together, and he doesn't, like, know any of this? (laughs) The road can't be that bad. He drove slowly down Brady Road through a thick woods, but there wasn't a sign of Janine. As he came around a curve, he saw the wreckage of a car ahead. It had crashed into a tree and had caught fire. Well, jeez smoke was still rising from it as Fred made his way to the car he could see someone trapped inside crushed against the steering column it was Janine in her hair was the Christmas tinsel he had given her
1: Wow! how did the tinsel get into the dead body's hair deputy Dewey (sighs) spoiler alert she told us that she hit the tree. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's, uh, it's one of those good Act 2 twists, and Act 3 is all about, let's talk about it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention because of all this tinsel in my hair. So there's a fun little picture of some smoke rising out of some spooky trees. And then we get some fun uh, screaming faces, which I'm sure, you know, did not haunt my dreams. It's me on a Sunday morning. One Sunday morning. Ida. Always went to the 7 o'clock Sunday morning service at her church. Now oh, I know why she looks you... like that. <laughs> I did my hair all nice. Can you tell I did my hair nice? <laughs> Usually she heard the clanging of the church bells while she was eating breakfast, but this morning she heard them while she was still in bed. That means I'm late, she thought. Ida jumped out of bed, quickly dressed, and left without eating or looking at the clock. It was still dark outside. But it usually was dark at this time of year. Ida was the only one on the street. The only sounds she heard were the clatter of her shoes on the pavement. And that kid burping. (laughs) Everybody must already be in church, she thought. Ida took a shortcut through the cemetery. Then she quietly slipped into the church and found a seat. The service had already begun. When she got her breath, Ida looked around. The church was filled with people she had never seen before, but the woman next to her did look familiar. Ida smiled at her. It's Josephine Kerr, she thought, but she's dead. She died a month ago. And suddenly, Ida felt uneasy. She looked around again as her eyes began to adjust to the dim light, and Ida saw some skeletons in suits and dresses. Ooh skeleton mm-hmm. so spoopy this is a service for the dead Ida thought everybody here is dead except me spoiler Very alert. spoiler alert Ida noticed that some of them were staring at her and they looked angry as if she had no business there and Josephine Kerr leaned toward her and whispered uh, leave right after the benediction if uh, you care for your life jesus when the service came to an end the minister gave his blessing the lord bless you and keep you he said the lord make his face to shine upon you ida grabbed her coat and walked quite quickly toward the door when she heard footsteps behind her she glanced and several of the dead were coming toward her others were getting up to join them the lord lift up his countenance to you the minister went on and ida was so frightened she began to run out the door she ran with a pack of shrieking ghosts at her heels get out one of them screamed another shouted you don't belong here and ripped her coat away as Ida ran through the cemetery, a third grabbed the hat from her head. Don't come back, it screamed, <laughs> and it shook its arm at her.
0: Oh, Ida.
1: Uh. By the time Ida reached the street, the sun was rising and the dead had disappeared. Did this really happen? Ida asked herself. Or have I been dreaming? Or taking in those nightly mushrooms again? That afternoon one of Ida's friends brought over her coat and hat or what was left of them they had been found in the cemetery torn to shreds what a twist Ida was not dead Ida had a
0: doozy of a day
1: what a twist premature ejaculation from Deputy Dewey (laughs) you are now going to sideways read (laughs) sounds this is what happens
0: when Deputy Dewey makes some sounds The house was near the beach. It was a big old place where nobody had lived for years. From time to time, somebody would force open a window or door and spend the night there, but never longer. Three fishermen caught in a storm took shelter there one night. With some dry wood they found inside, they made a fire in the fireplace. They lay down on the floor and tried to get some sleep, but none of them slept that night. First they heard footsteps upstairs. It sounded like there were several people moving back and forth. Back <laughs> and forth. Dance party. <laughs> <laughs> oonch, 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 we found sounds.
1: the rave house.
0: <laughs> Ida, get up here. We're having a party. When one of the fishermen called, who's up there? The footsteps stopped. When they heard a woman scream, the scream turned into a groan and died away. <sighs> Now I know why those footsteps (laughs) stopped.
1: Let's get up there.
0: Blood began to drip from the ceiling into the room where the fisherman huddled. Oh no, she's on her period. That's not a good (laughs) sign. A small red pool formed on the floor and soaked into the wood. A door upstairs crashed shut, and again the woman screamed. Uh, Not me, she cried. (laughs) Oh, okay. It it wasn't me, guys. It it wasn't me. It's okay. It's not me. (laughs) It sounded as if she was running her high heels tapping wildly down the hall. I'll get you, a man shouted, and the floor shook his <laughs> I'll get you. <laughs> and pretty dog, too. Then silence. There wasn't a sound until the man who had shouted began to laugh. <laughs> Long peals of horrible laughter filled the house. It went on and on until the fishermen thought they would go mad. Why don't they just fucking leave? Yeah, <laughs> they don't need to do any of that. When finally it stopped. The fisherman heard someone coming down the stairs, dragging something heavy that bumped on each step. Jesus Christ, get out of the house! (laughs) They heard him drag it through the front hall and out the front door. The door opened, and it slammed shut again. Silence. Suddenly, a flash of lightning filled the house with a green blaze of light. A ghastly face stared at the fisherman from the hallway. Then came a crash of thunder. Terrified, they ran out into the storm. Wow, that... Yeah, as you said, they should have left a long time ago. That's not that the that, end of the that story. That was it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's the um
0: Now I know why these didn't make the cut for the first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I always, you know, when I'm when I'm reminded of these stories, I always want to say like uh, it's fun it's fun to hear people just be like and it was spooky <laughs> the story and, you know i that's how it began as kids you know you're just told that something is scary and you believe it mm-hmm. and then it's it's life it's life that eventually teaches you to to be afraid of much other things it's the
0: ultimate fear
1: um so yeah um uh, a shadowy face
0: until you know fear
1: a shadowy face in a hallway and a bolt of lightning yeah you know uh we all watched Pagemaster as a kid and got freaked out a little bit. I
0: mean, to be fair, the fact that a man probably murdered somebody in the hallway
1: upstairs is a little bit more creepy than me, but... Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> a weird blue light... Late one night in October 1864, a Confederate blockade runner slipped by some Union gunboats at the entrance to Galveston Bay in Texas and made it safely to port with its cargo of food and other necessities. SALT! Louis Billings, the master of the small vessel, was getting ready to weigh anchor when he was startled by a shriek from one of the crew. A strange, old-fashioned schooner. That's a scale boat, you idiot.
0: Don't remember. Mallrats. (laughs) A schooner. That's a sailboat, you idiot. A schooner is a sailboat. (laughs) The Easter Bunny's not real! (laughs)
1: That's a good reference. A strange, old-fashioned schooner with a big black flag was rushing down at us. Billings said later, she was afire with a sort of weird pale blue light that lighted up every nook and cranny of her. The crew was pulling at the ropes and doing other work and they paid us no attention. Didn't even glance our way. They all had ghastly bleeding wounds but their faces and eyes were those of dead men. The man who had shrieked had fallen to his knees, his teeth chattering as he gasped out a prayer, overcoming my own terror that was chilling the very marrow of my bones. I rushed forward, shouting to the others as I ran, and suddenly the schooner vanished before my eyes. Somebody bought it at the mall. Some say that it was the ghost of Jean Lafitte's pirate ship Pride That sank off Galveston Island in 1821 or 1822, or perhaps even 1823 if you're feeling spicy, or in 1824. No one knew what time it was. It was
0: a human concept; cats don't understand
1: it. She was seen again in 1892, a whole 70 years later, in the same waters with the same crew. I like stories like that. That's a fun
0: one. Mm-hmm. The next one is
1: Somebody fell from a loft. Nice. So that's a good party. <laughs> no. Somebody <laughs> fell from that loft, dude. Yo, sick. <laughs> Let's
0: do it again. I had signed on as an ordinary seaman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nothing or, nothing's ordinary about mine.
1: Even as like a 6th grader
0: I would have laughed at that joke. On the falls <laughs> of Itric a merchant ship bound for England. The first time I saw that ship, I knew her right away. She was that old Gertrude Spurshoe. I had sailed on her years before when she was painted brown and gold. Now she was painted black and had a new name, but it was the same ship for sure. We had a pretty good crew for that voyage, except for one hard-looking ticket named McLaurin. He was a pretty good seaman, (laughs) but there was something about him that I didn't trust. He was kind of secretive, kept mostly to himself. One day, somebody told him that I had worked on the old Gertrude. For some reason, he got all a tremble over that. Then, I catched him giving me all those ugly black looks. Wow, okay, Jesus. As if he was (laughs) itching to knife me in the back. I guess it had something to do with the Gertrude, but I didn't know what. Well, this one day, we was trying to work our way through a trippin' black fog. You'd scarcely know we had all the lights on, and it was dead calm. There wasn't a breath of fresh air. The ship just lay there, wallowing in the trough and rolling a-rolling, going nowheres. I was standing my watch around midships, and McLaurin was doing his trick at the wheel. The rest of the crew was scattered around one place and another. It was as quiet as could be. Then all at once, WACKO! Yeah, it really says wacko. I believe you. <laughs> this thing hits the deck right in front of McLaurin. He lets go a screech that turns my blood cold Then he falls down in a faint. The second mate starts yelling that somebody has fallen from aloft. Great party, dude.
1: Hell yeah, dude.
0: Laying out there just forward of the wheel with someone or something dressed in oil silks with blood oozing out from underneath. The captain ran and fetched a big light from his cabin so he could see who it was. They kind of straightened him out to get a good look at his face. He was a big, ugly-looking devil. Kind of like Lanky Lucy. (laughs) But nobody knew who he was or what he was doing up there. At least nobody was saying. When McLaurin came, too, from his faint, they tried to get something out of him. All he did was jabber away and keep rolling those big, wild-looking eyes of his. Everybody was getting more and more excited. We all wanted to heave the body overboard as quickly as we could. There was something weird about it, as if it wasn't real. But the captain wasn't so sure about getting rid of it that way. Could it be a stowaway? he asked. But the ship was so filled with lumber we were carrying. There was no space where a living thing could hide for three weeks, which is how long we had been out. Even if it was a stowaway, what was it even doing on such a dirty day? There was no reason for anyone to be up there. There was nothing to see. Finally, the captain gave up and told us to heave him overboard. Then nobody could would touch him. The mate ordered us to pick him up, but nobody made a move. Then he tried coaxing, but that didn't do any good. Suddenly, that loony McLaurin started yelling, "I handled him once. I can handle him again." (laughs) He picks up the body and staggers over to the railing with it. He is just about to throw it overboard when it wraps its two big long arms around him. It is lanky. And over them they go together. Then on the way down, one of them starts laughing in a horrible way. The mates are yelling to launch a boat, but nobody would get into a boat. Not on a night like that. We threw a couple of life preservers after them, but everybody knew what that wouldn't help. So that was it. Or was it? The first chance I had to go home after that, I went right over to see old Captain Spurshoe who was captain when the Gertrude was around. Well, he says one trip these two old outlandish men shipped aboard the Gertrude one of them was named McLaurin the other was a really big fella the big one was always picking on McLaurin and thumping him around and McLaurin was always talking about how he would get him back well this wet dirty night the two of them was up there alone and the big one come flying down killed himself daring and a hearing
1: and that is that and we got a nice little picture of two boys cuddling. Cuddling in the pool. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, um, this one, I definitely, uh, I'm definitely haunted by that image. It's real good.
0: You don't like doing some kissing? Um, with, with, your, with your dark, you know, I, with, dark I, with my friends. bog boy?
1: <laughs> um, that's, that's a fun one. I, I like, I like that one a lot. Um, you know, uh, a good old, a good old, uh pirate pirate tale that that reminded me of um almost like a sequence out of like pirates of the caribbean or uh what was it called um there's really great show on amc uh the terror that was okay. a really solid show um about the first arctic expedition oh that actually wasn't
0: finished usually when they give us those images it's over McLaurin says the foot rope they were using parted and how he almost fell himself. But everybody who saw that rope knows he didn't give away on her own. She had been cut through with a knife. After that whenever we came into port with Lauren thought we were going to get the police after him and he'd get pretty scared. But he wouldn't prove anything so we didn't try. In the end I guess the big fella took care of things in his own way. If he was a ghost that came back, that's what he was. If there's being things like that,
1: that's what ghosts do. Ain't that just the way he is more or less saying. I definitely remember this image, and eerily enough, it looks like my dog. (laughs) Little Daisy girl. My little daisy duke. Um it kind of does, don't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Except for that chicken foot.
1: Yeah, we got a hand. And we got chicken foot, and then we got Puppy Paul <laughs> And then we got Three Toad Sloth um, Ironically uh, You know our, our dog That you often hear Sometimes on the show Specifically with uh, My brothers um, Is we have a small dog Named Daisy Or uh, Bandana Jane And Bandana uh, Jane I don't know She uh, <laughs> It's just it's Something my stepbrother Said once Is it when she wears A bandana Oh uh-huh. <laughs> yeah And um, Calamity <laughs> And, uh, she's a funny, very spunky, uh, and very needy, um, little Scottish, uh, terrier of some kind, like a Scotty, uh, mutt, and, uh, story has a fun little illustration of what looks like a Scotty, because it's called, uh, The Little Black Dog. And I do, I do think I'm gonna remember the story just outright, because the, the illustration already, like, triggered, like, a memory... Um. Anyway Little black dog Billy Mansfield Said that a little black dog Followed him wherever he went But he was the only one Who saw it
0: Just like Captain there's no black dog here
1: Oh my god I'm dead the whole time <laughs> I'm Bruce Willis So people thought he was kind of crazy To drive the dog away Billy was always hollering at it Throwing rocks at it But the dog always came back The first time Billy saw the dog Was the day he fought Silas Burton Billy was just a young man then But the Burtons and Billy's family had been feuding for years When Billy saw Silas riding towards him He went for his gun And Burton went for his But Billy fired first That's not a fight That is murder He hit Burton in the back knocking him from his horse and Burton's horse ran off and his gun fell where he couldn't reach it. He laid there on the ground pleading with Billy not to kill him but Billy killed him anyway. Burton's little black dog was with him when he was shot and the dog kept licking Burton's face and barking and snarling at Billy and in his anger Billy killed the dog too Fuck this guy There wasn't much law enforcement in those days So Billy wasn't arrested But all that night he heard Burton's dog outside his cabin Scratching on his door Barking to be let in I'm imagining this Billy said to himself I shot that dog It's dead But the next morning Billy saw The dog It was waiting for him outside, and from there on, there was not a day when he didn't see it, and there wasn't a night when he didn't hear it scratching on his door, barking to be let in, and from that day on, Billy was always finding black dog hairs on his sofa, on the floor, in his bed, even in his food, and the house in the yard stank of dog. Well, that's what Billy said. Whenever somebody told him that there wasn't any dog to see, he'd say, maybe you don't see it, but I do. And I'm not any crazier than you are. Things went on like that for many years. And then one morning in the middle of the winter, the neighbors didn't see any smoke coming out of Billy's chimney. And then when they went over to check, Billy wasn't there. A day or so later, they found his body lying in the snow in the field in the back of his cabin. Billy had uh, plenty of enemies, and at first it seemed like somebody might have killed him, but there wasn't a mark on his body, and there weren't any footprints out there except Billy's. The doctors said Billy probably died of old age, but there was something odd about his death when the neighbors found Billy there were black dog hairs on his clothes there were even a few on his face it smelled like a dog had been out there yet no one had seen a dog anywhere I like that one a lot that's a fun one, dog revenge good dog, get revenge good doggo I will, if my dog gets killed I hope it comes back and fucks the person who killed him oh, we don't need to see that <laughs> this one is called clinkety clink I did like that that's an onomatopoeia right there
0: <laughs> an old lady got sick and died great <laughs> clinkety Clank. she had no family and no close friends so the neighbors got a grave digger to dig a grave for and they had a coffin made and they placed it in her living room As was the tradition. They washed her body and dressed her up in her best clothes and put her in the coffin. When she died, her eyes were wide open, staring at everything and seeing nothing. The neighbors found two silver dollars on her dresser, and they put them on her eyelids to keep them closed. They lit candles and sat her up with her so that it would not be too lonely on the first night that she was placed dead. The next morning a preacher came and said a prayer for her, and everybody went home. Later, the gravedigger arrived to take her to the cemetery and barrier. He stared at those silver dollars on her eyes and he picked them up. How shiny and smooth they were, how thick and heavy. They're beautiful, he thought, just beautiful. <laughs> he looked at the dead woman with her eyes wide open.
1: Ain't gonna need them where
0: she's going. <laughs> he felt she was staring at him, watching him hold her coins. It gave him a creepy feeling. He put the coins back on those eyes of hers to keep them closed. But before he knew it, his hands reached out again and grabbed them coins, stuck them right in his pocket. Then he grabbed the hammer and quickly nailed shut the coffin. "'Now you can't see anything,' he said to her. (laughs) Then he took her out to the cemetery and buried her as fast as he could. When the gravedigger got home, he put the two old silver dollars in a tin box and shook it. A little clickety-clang! The coins made a cheerful rattling noise, but the gravedigger wasn't feeling cheerful.' He couldn't forget those eyes looking at him. When it got dark, a storm came up, and the wind started blowing. It blew all around the house. It came in through the cracks and through the windows and down around the chimney. Bazoo! It went. Biz, biz, bazoo! The fire flared and flickered. The gravedigger threw some fresh wood on the fire, got into bed, and pulled blankets up to his chin. The wind kept blowing. Bazoo! It went biz biz bazoo!
1: These, this wind sounds like a retarded bumper bee, but... <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. It's, the story's not called bazoo, the story's it's called, called clank. 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 So I'm hoping we got there soon. <laughs> the
0: fire flared and flickered and cast evil looking shadows on the walls. The gravedigger lay there, thinking about the dead woman's eyes staring at him. The wind blew stronger and louder fire flared and flickered and popped and snapped and he got more and more scared suddenly he heard another sound here it comes clickety clink (laughs) clickety clink it went clickety clink clickety clink it was the silver dollars rattling in his tin box hey the gravedigger shouted who's taking my money he got a nice little creepy picture of uh
1: Oh no. Good old
0: clickety clank coming oh, out the door here. Oh
1: no, creepy old woman ghost.
0: But all he heard was the wind blowing. Bazee, bazee, bazoo! And the flames flaring and flickering and snapping and popping. And the coins going clickety clank, clickety clank. He leaped out of bed and chained up the door. Then he hurried back. It's got a Jacob Marley thing going on now. Oh, he's done for. But his head had barely touched the pillow when he heard clickety-clink, clickety-clink. Then he heard something way off in the distance. It was a voice crying. Where's my money? Who's got my money? Who? Who? It's my money and I need it now. (laughs) Oh, the general could have saved them. Oh, clickety Could have saved their damn lives. 877-BAZOO-NOW. And the wind blew, and the fire flared, and flickered, and snapped, and popped, and the money went (laughs) clickety-clink, (laughs) clickety-clink. The gravedigger was really scared. He got out of bed again and piled all the furniture against the door, and he put a heavy iron skillet over the tin box. Then he jumped back into bed and covered his head with the blankets. But the money rattled louder than ever, and way off a voice cried, Give me my money. <laughs> Who's got my money? Who? Who? And the wind blew and the fire flared and flickered and snapped and popped and the grave digger shivered and shook and cried, oh lordy, lordy. Suddenly, the front door flew open. Jesus. And in walked the ghost of the dead woman with her eyes wide open, staring at everything and seeing nothing.
1: It's fucking
0: terrifying. And the wind blew. Baze, baze, and the money went clickety-clink, clickety-clink, and the fire flared and flickered and snapped and popped, and the ghost of the dead woman cried, Oh, where is my money? Who's got my money? Who? Who? And the grand digger moaned, Oh, lordy, lordy. The ghost could hear her money going clickety-clink, clickety-clink in the tin box, but her dead eyes couldn't see the box, so she reached out with her arms and tried to find it. Oh, well, this is te- so. The story right now is telling. As you tell this story, you stand up with your arms in front of you. And you begin groping around you. <laughs>
1: yes, the first story had had instructions too. <laughs> the wind went
0: buzoo, and the money rattled, clickety clink, clickety clink, and the flare fired and popped and flickered and snapped, and the grave digger shivered and shook and moaned, oh lordy lordy and the woman cried, "Give me my." Who's got my money? Who? Who? And then you quickly jump at a person in the audience and then they scream.
1: The And? Is that what it says? It doesn't say, you got my money? Yes, it says, it says you got it. <laughs> you gotta jump at someone and say, you've got it. That's the, that's the twist. That's a good one. So like, uh, so this should have been a jump scare for the audience. Cause it's like.
0: And I ruined it. It's no like, no oh lordy,
1: lordy. And the woman cried give me my money who's got my money who who you (laughs) got (laughs) it oh they included those in the uh, the first book as well Mm -hmm. it's very funny very funny Um, that story was definitely one of those ones that is told around a campfire by like you know your older brother or something you know
0: I like the fact that she's blind too even though her eyes are open
1: oh yeah Oh yeah, it's okay. So cat. we have a new we have a new section of stories here. Um, this section is called "She Was Spitting and Yowling Just Like a Cat," um, which is terrifying. You ever hear a cat try to talk, try to say words before it's <coughs> fucking terrifying. <coughs> no, no. <coughs> the tales in this chapter are about an empty trunk, a neighbor who turns into a cat, a strange drum some very tasty sausages and other scary things. Tasty sausages Let's see what I'm reading. I know this story This is a good one (laughs) I'm so happy to be reading this one. I do remember this one and I remember it both by the title and by the fucking picture which will haunt my goddamn dreams The Bride. Do you know this one? Mm -hmm. It's a good one the minister's daughter had just gotten married, and after the wedding ceremony there was great feast with music and dancing and contests and games, even old children's games. When they got to playing and hide-and-seek, the bride decided to hide in her grandfather's trunk up in the attic. And let me tell you, this story is the reason I have claustrophobia. <laughs> They'll never find me in here, she thought. But as she was climbing into the trunk, the lid came down, cracked her on the head, and she fell unconscious inside as the lid slammed shut and locked. No one will ever know how long she called for help or how hard she struggled to free herself from that tomb. And everyone in the village searched for her. They looked almost everywhere. But no one thought of looking in the trunk. And after a week, her brand new bridegroom and all the others gave her up for Lost. It's a pretty good show. It's the the (laughs) ending that you gotta... I I didn't hate it. I really didn't either. I kinda did, I kinda didn't. I don't know, I go back and forth on it. Years later, a maid went up to the attic looking for something she needed. Maybe it's in this trunk, she thought. No smell, huh? She opened it. Mm. She screamed. As you would. There lay the missing bride in her wedding dress. But by then, she was only a skeleton. Ooh, a skeleton popped up. It's a good one. Uh, you're going to read the next one. Uh, it's It's by Beyonce. Oh. If you like it, then you
0: should put rings on her fingers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> rings. Is it ring Ring on her finger? It's It's multiple. It's rings on her fingers. Rings on her fingers. Daisy Clark had been in a coma for more than a month when the doctor said that she had finally died. She was buried on a cool summer day in a small cemetery about a mile from her home. May she always rest in such a beautiful peace, her husband said, but she didn't. Late that night, a grave robber with a shovel and a lantern began to dig her up. Since the ground was still soft, he quickly reached the coffin and got it open. His hunch was right. Daisy had been buried wearing two valuable rings, a wedding ring with a diamond in it, and a ring with a ruby that glowed as if it were alive. The thieves got down on his knees and reached into the coffin to get the rings, but they were stuck fast on her fingers. So he decided that the only way to get them was to cut off her fingers with a knife. But when he cut into the finger, the wedding ring began to bleed, and Daisy Clark began to stir. Suddenly she sat up. Terrified, the thief scrambled to his feet. He accidentally kicked over the lantern, and the light went out. He could hear Daisy climb out of the grave. As she moved past him in the dark, he stood there frozen with fear, clutching his knife in his hand. When Daisy saw him, she pulled her shroud around her and asked, "'Who are you?' When the grave robber heard this corpse speak, he ran. Daisy shrugged her shoulders and walked on and never once looked back. But in his fear and confusion... The thief fed in the wrong direction. He pitched headlong into her grave, fell on the knife, and stabbed himself. While Daisy walked home, the thief bled to death. The end.
1: <laughs> Interesting. That's what you get for uh, trying to steal Beyonce's rooms.
0: I mean, she just wanted you to put one on a she had two on her finger. She got
1: more yeah. than what she asked for, because she deserves it. <laughs> Alright? The, the name was Daisy. The next story is called... The Drum. Once there were two sisters. Dolores was seven and Sandra was five. They lived in a small house in the country with their mother and their baby brother, Arthur. Their father was a seaman and was away on a long voyage one day Dolores and Sandra were running across a field near their house when they met a gypsy girl playing a drum her family was camping in the field for a few days as the girl played a little mechanical man and woman came out of the drum and danced ooh, ooh, ooh. Dolores and Sandra had never seen such a drum, and they begged the girl to give it to them. And she looked at them and laughed. I will give it to you, Uh, she said, but only if you are really bad. Come back tomorrow and tell me how bad you were, and I will see. As soon as the two sisters got home, they started shouting which was against the rules in their house. And then they rode all over the walls with their crayons, and at supper, they spilled their food. And when it was time for bed, they wouldn't go. They did everything they could to think of to upset their mother, and they were really bad. This is Michael Jackson-level bad. Early the next morning, they hurried off to find the gypsy girl. We were really bad yesterday, they told her, so please give us the drum. But they were told... But when they told her what they had done The gypsy girl laughed Oh, you must be much worse than that If I am to give you this drum, she said Well, as soon as Dolores and Sandra got home They pulled up all the flowers in the garden They let the pig out and chased it away They tore their clothes, they sloshed in the mud They were a lot worse than the day before "'If you do not stop,' their mother said, "'I will go away and take Arthur with me, "'and you will get a new mother with glass eyes and a wooden tail.'" That scared Dolores and Sandra. They loved their mother, and they loved Arthur. They could not imagine being without them, and they began to cry. "'I don't want to leave you,' their mother said, "'but unless you change your behavior,' I will have to leave you. We'll be good, the girls promised, yet they did not really believe that their mother would go away. She's just trying to scare us, Dolores said later. We'll get the drum tomorrow, said Sandra. then we'll be good again. Well, early the next morning, they rushed off to find the gypsy girl, and when they found her, she was playing with the drum again, and the little man and little m- woman were dancing. They told the gypsy girl how bad they had been in the, drum the day before. That must be bad enough to get the drum, they said. Oh no, said the gypsy girl. You must be much worse than that. But we promised our mother to be good from now on, said the girls. Well, if you want the drum, if you really want it, said the gypsy girl, you must be worse. Much worse. "'Worse. "'It's only for one more day,' Dolores told Sandra. "'Then we will have the drum.' "'I hope you're right,' Sandra said. "'And as soon as they got home, "'they beat the dog with a stick. Hmm. "'They broke the dishes. "'They tore their clothes to pieces. "'They spanked their baby brother Arthur!' (gasps) "'Their mother began to cry.' You are not keeping your promise, she said. We will be good, said Dolores. We promise, said Sandra. I can't wait much longer, said their mother. Please try. And early the next morning, before their mother was awake, Dolores and Sandra ran to see the gypsy girl. They told her all about the bad things they had done the day before. We were horrid, said Sandra. We were worse than we had ever been, said Dolores can we please have the drum now no, said the gypsy girl I never meant to give it to you it was just a game we were playing I thought you knew that Dolores and Sandra began to cry and they rushed home as quickly as they could but their mother and Arthur were gone They're out shopping, said Dolores. They'll be back soon. But they still were not back when the lunchtime came. Dolores and Sandra felt lonely and scared, and they wandered through the fields the rest of the day. Maybe they will be home again when we get back, said Dolores. But when they got back home, they saw through the window that the lamps were lit. And there was a fire in the fireplace. But they did not see their mother and Arthur. Instead, there was their new mother, her glass eyes glistening, her wooden tail thumping the floor. You can't always get what you want. Good shit good one it's a fun little fun little prank uh, more more little indian girls should have played more more pranks on little colonial children
0: now before i had uh, beyonce now i have little john uh, <laughs> the window this is called the window margaret and her brothers paul and david shared a small house on the top of a hill just outside the village it was so warm one summer night that margaret could not sleep She sat up in bed in the darkness of her room watching the moon move across the sky. Suddenly something caught her eye. She saw two small yellow-green lights moving through the woods near the graveyard at the bottom of the hill. They looked like the eyes of some animal, but she could not make out what kind of creature it was. Soon the creature left the woods and moved up the house toward the hill. For a few minutes Margaret lost sight of it. Then she saw it coming across the lawn toward her window. It looked something like a man, and yet it didn't. I don't like that. Margaret was terrified. She wanted to run from her room, but the door was next to her window. She was afraid the creature would see her and break in before she could escape. When the creature turned and moved in another direction, Margaret rushed to the door. But before she could open the door, it was back. Margaret found herself staring through the window at a shrunken face like that of a mummy. Its yellow-green eyes gleamed like a cat's eyes. She wanted to scream, but she was so frightened that she could not make any sounds. The creature broke the window glass, unlocked the window, and crawled inside. I don't like any of this. (laughs) Margaret tried to flee, but the creature caught her. It twisted its long, bony fingers into her hair, pulled back her head, and sank its teeth into her throat. Margaret screamed and fainted. When the brothers heard her piercing scream, they rushed to her room, but by the time they got to the door, it was unlocked and the creature had already fled. Margaret lay on the floor bleeding and unconscious. While Paul tried to stop the bleeding, David chased the creature down the hill toward the graveyard, but soon he lost sight of it. The police thought it was the work of an escaped lunatic who believed he was a vampire. When Margaret recovered, her brothers wanted to move to a safer place where it would be harder to break in. But Margaret refused. The creature would never come back. She was sure of that. But just in case, Paul and David began to keep loaded pistols in their rooms. One night, months later, Margaret was awakened by a scratching sound at her window. When she opened her eyes, there was the same shrunken face staring in at her. That night, her brothers heard her cries in time. They chased the creature down the hill and David shot it in the leg. But the creature managed to scramble over the graveyard wall and disappeared near an old burial vault. The next day, Margaret and her brothers watched as the sexton of the church opened the burial vault. Inside was a horrifying scene. Broken coffins, bones, and rotting flesh were scattered all over the floor. Only one coffin had not been disturbed. When the sexton opened it, there lay the creature with the shrunken face that had attacked Margaret. The telltale bullet was in its leg. They did the only thing they knew of to get rid of themselves as a vampire. The sexton built a roaring blaze outside the vault and fed the shrunken body to the flames. They watched the body burn until nothing remained but ashes.
1: And that was Window. Love a good vampire story. Vampires are fun. That, that, that even described it in a, in a much creepier way than I imagined vampires. A shrunken mummy... You know, Nosferatu-looking motherfucker. No thanks. No thanks. Oh man, I get to read this. This is great. Sausages. Wonderful sausage. There's always one of them where, like, Alvin Schwartz is just like, let's do something related to food. Like, someone's gonna eat a body part of some kind. Like, let's just fucking uh, do it. The two. Yeah, the big two. Where's Delicious. my toe? Let's put that shit in a stew. Where's my toe? <laughs> Wonderful sausage One dark rainy Saturday afternoon A fat and jolly butcher named Samuel Blunt Had an argument over money with his wife Eloise Blunt lost his temper and killed Eloise Jesus Then he ground her up into sausage meat And buried her bones under a big flat rock in the backyard To keep the murder a secret He told everyone that she moved away (laughs) <laughs> fair enough <laughs> no one liked her so they fucking believed it Blunt mixed his new sausage meat with pork then seasoned it with salt and pepper added some sage and some oregano and then thyme and a bit of garlic to give it a special flavor oh cause human isn't special enough he smoked in his smokehouse for a while and he called it Blunt's special sausage sausage there was such a demand for this new sausage that Blunt bought the best hogs he could find and started raising his own pork. He also kept a sharp lookout for humans who might make a tasty sausage meat. One day, a nice plump schoolteacher came into his shop, and Blunt grabbed her and ground her up. Another time, Blunt's dentist came by. Fuck that guy. He was a little round man, and into the grinder he went. Very Sweeney Todd of him. Then, one by one, the children in the neighborhood began to disappear, and so did their kittens and puppies. But no one ever dreamed that Blunt the Butcher had anything to do with it things went on that way for years then one day Blunt made a big mistake a fat boy came into the butcher's shop and Blunt grabbed him and started to drag him off to the sausage grinder but the boy he broke loose and ran out of the shop and Blunt chased after him waving a big old butcher's knife when people saw this they realized at once what had been become a of all of the missing children and grown-ups and kittens and puppies, and an angry crowd gathered at the butcher shop. No one knows for sure just what happened to Blunt that day, and some say he was fed to the hogs. Others say he was fed to his own sausage grinder, but he was never seen again, and neither was his wonderful sausage meat. He just moved. And I do remember this one uh, wonderful piece of turd leg sausage with a very human hand coming out of it, which seems to be uh, feeding itself to someone. Very very fun illustration by Steve Gamel. I absolutely fucking remember this cat next one. Jeff Goldblum right here. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> so, uh, I, I do
0: I do enjoy that. Pump. Cat Susan Sarandon. Plump is an old way of saying thick.
1: Thick ass. <laughs>
0: Thick ass school teacher. Alright, so this is Cat's Paw. Somebody was stealing the meat Jed Smith kept in his smokehouse. Back to the fucking just Hell yeah. Every day a ham or some bacon or something else was missing. Finally, Jed decided he had to put a stop to it. One night he hid in the smokehouse with his rifle and waited for the thief. He didn't have to wait long. For soon. A black she-cat slunk in. She was the biggest cat Jed had ever seen. When she jumped up and pulled down a ham hanging from the ceiling, Jed grabbed his rifle and turned on the lights. But instead of running away, the cat jumped at him. He fired and shot off one of her paws. Jed was sure he heard a woman scream right after this gun went off. The cat began tearing around the room, spitting and yelling. Then she ran up the chimney and was gone. Jed stared at the cat's paw, only it wasn't a cat's paw, a woman's foot lay wriggling on the floor all shot up and bloody. So it's a witch that's been doing it, he told himself. Just then one of Jed's neighbors, a fellow named Burdick, came racing down the road to get a doctor. His wife's foot had been shot in an accident, he told Jed. She's bleeding pretty bad, he said. The doctor got to her barely in time. People who were there when it happened said that she was spitting and yowling just like a cat. <laughs> it's Some image of a eyeball and broken concrete. It looks like kind of. <laughs> that was the end oh, of that like, story. <laughs> there's, a, there's a hairball there too. Interesting.
1: This is this is a this is a fun one. This is, uh, this is a really shitty TV show. The voice. I choose you for my team. <laughs> Ellen had just fallen asleep when she heard a strange voice. Ellen, it whispered. I'm coming up the stairs. I'm on the first step. Now I am on the second step. Ellen got scared and called her parents, but they didn't hear her and they didn't come. Then the voice whispered, Ellen, I'm on the top step. Now I'm in the hall. Now I'm outside your room. And then it whispered, I'm standing right next to your bed. And then... I got you! Ellen screamed. Ah! The voice stopped. Her father rushed into the room and turned on the light. Somebody is in here, Ellen said. And when they looked... And they looked... Nobody... Was there. But yeah, that's, that's part one of the... Uh, more scary stories to tell in the dark. I definitely remembered some of them i think the the most poignant one is still the bride mm. that one that one just sticks with you you almost you learn from her mistake a <laughs> little yeah, bit yeah don't go into that, a that story Trump. that story is very specifically meant for like inquisitive little kids who like to hide in places which was <laughs> fucking me when i was easily a kid get locked. and um i you know that's how you get dead that story is how you get dead as a kid <laughs> and um i played a lot of hide and go seek I, my mom loves to tell the story about how I hid in our, like, entertainment center, where, like, the DVD player goes, Mm -hmm. um, when I was, like, four, and I didn't come out, and she couldn't find me, and, uh, she was running all up and down the street crying, looking for her kid, and, uh, she came home, and when, uh, and when her neighbors, uh, checked all around the house, they found me crying inside of the, uh, the DVD cabinet um not because i couldn't get out but because i knew i was going to be in trouble <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually fucking adorable my mom even has a picture of like when they found me in the cabinet i didn't want to come out i'm
0: going to save this for I
1: forever i didn't want to come out so my mom my mom had apparently taken a picture of me in my um in my sadness, it's it's a very funny picture. I'm very clearly crying, but I'm also like sitting very comfortably, just in this little <laughs> little cozy space. This is my world now, dude. I don't know what it was with me in, as a kid, but I would just sit in tiny dark spaces sometimes. Always was a little moody boy. For real though, like my closet had a um, an extension, like an attic portion which was just this little wooden room with only a door. It's like it's like a fucking like disappointments room, you know? Like mm-hmm. it, I know it's a storage space, but it was in my closet. So it's just this little door, like a me-sized door, and I would just fucking crawl in there sometimes, mm-hmm. and there was nothing fucking in there. So I would bring, in like, a little flashlight, and I'd bring, like, a little book, and sometimes I'd just sit in the dark and just hide there. I don't know why. There were
0: plenty of closets in my old house, and it's a fun little old story. My my family used to take care of special needs people. Okay. And uh, one was named Tom, who was basically, like, my pseudo-grandfather. And one day I stole cookie dough, like raw cookie dough. And I made Tom sit in a closet with me and we just ate cookie dough. And apparently I blamed Tom.
1: For Hell it. yeah. And Tom probably <laughs> the that.
0: The cookie dough scapegoat.
1: He probably took that honorably. Because um, he was also getting away with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, something with kids and like... I had a lot of stuffed animals. I don't know. Something, you know, it's almost like a return to the womb, you know. There's something Mm -hmm. very peaceful about being somewhere so fucking quiet and so fucking dark that like doesn't give you nightmares. You you feel almost wholesome there. And I think that's why I've always like not really truly been afraid of the dark. I think I'm afraid of what my mind does in the dark, which is like play tricks on me and make me... Think I see shit all the time. Um you know, just in like the corner of my eyes sometimes, like I'll just like fucking see like a face and I'll be like, Jesus Christ. Um and then I'll realize it was just like the fucking like shadow of I don't know, like an eyelash or something. You know, it's just it's it's weird shit and I used to live in like the woods and I know that like the way that the light would go in between the trees totally thought I used to see people back in my old house. Um, crazy shit. Um, but it's funny how I know, I know there is a memory somewhere of me reading one of these books, like in in that, in that crawl space with a fucking flashlight. Mm-hmm. You know, because this was the type of book I hid under my pillow from my mom. This was the type of book I would, like, put inside of, like, a binder so that she wouldn't see I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she would just assume it's a workbook because it was kind of the same thickness as those old elementary school workbooks. Spelling and numbers and shit. So it's it's funny. Um, Is a pillow
0: really a great place to hide from your mother who probably... Changes your sheets and and uh, and washes things, you know. Just just in general for for little children out there. I mean, that are the idea is that podcast. I'd be
1: laying down and the and I'm my head is on the pillow, and at that oh, point oh, with her coming in, Okay, right, I got you. Right. You don't keep it there when you're no, not there. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm saying I'm reading it and I'm pretending not to read it. And whenever I'd hear her coming up the steps, because my bedroom was like an entire flight away from her um whenever i'd hear her coming up the steps i'd have just enough time to like hide it somewhere um no i had a room with my brother and he definitely wouldn't let me stay up at night and read so it was definitely like me time like my play time when i would choose to read Mm. um and she would just come up to make sure you know i was a very quiet kid uh, ironically, so when she would come up to check on me all the time, and I'd either be watching, you know, like Disney movies on our little, like, fucking 20 inch TV, <laughs> or I'd be, um, I'd be reading, you know? Yeah. I read a lot as a kid, I, I was all about those AR points. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get those pizza parties, dude. <laughs> I, I was invited to, like, fucking all of them, dude. <laughs> For real. Pizza Hut. Um, so yeah, lots of good memories with Alvin Schwartz. I, uh, I, I owe this guy my spooky origins. You know, I feel like we all started here. We all started with, you know, like goosebumps. Are you afraid of the dark or scary stories to tell in the dark? Like we all, we all got our spooky origins somewhere and, um, I could definitely thank the scary story to tell in the dark series For a little bit of my uh, spooky origin story
0: I would love to see like Stephen King talk to like R.L. Stein about
1: Oh absolutely. Spooky stuff. absolutely Just because that's
0: like Stephen King light Just to like have those well, two well, In a room and talk about things would be kind of cool
1: well, Like R.L. Stein Isn't even like a creepy guy You know like he just well, I mean Stephen King just does a lot of coke Or at least he did He did <laughs> very true that makes
0: you spoopy
1: so deputy Dewey how did uh how did you feel about this episode reading some scary stories I the dark? really like that last one honestly and it's just it's so short but like I love that I'm which one the voice of the cat? The step oh okay <laughs> the, the voice yeah I'm on the first step Ellen I'm down the hall <laughs> I there's there's something so terrifying about it so so like middle school elementary school terrifying about that you know it's it goes back to the big toe thing like mm-hmm. and then i heard her at the foot of my stairs who's got my toe you know like it's just it's it's the fear of the unknown it's the fear of your house making those noises in the middle of the night it's the fear of you know death and ghosts and darkness and ghouls you know it's it's just it's it's fun hokey shit and i hope people appreciate a kind of uh light episode in between all of the shit we've been reading like literally like two episodes ago i read like a really like crazy afterlife you know like Interpretation of death and, and it like Blew my mind A little bit And now we get to just read Stupid think. little pirate stories And <laughs> you know Urban legends I And like shit I like the butcher one A lot
0: too Cause there is something Settling ch- about like A weird fucking dude That just chops up Meat all day
1: I mean that's That's like Courage the Cowardly Dog Level scary You know mm-hmm. like I'm just making sausage. Come here, doggy. <laughs> you know, like You're of the secret ingredient today. Actually, isn't that that's an episode. There's a pig that yeah. owns a diner and he keeps thinking that it's the pig who wants to put Muriel and Eustace into the burger meat. It does. It's a good one. <laughs> That's what I mean by Courage the cowardly dog level scary because he he did that shit. The whole I'm coming up the stairs thing, like that's absolutely some Courage the cowardly dog shit. Always holding Muriel. Oh that, my that god! That dog
0: saved that fucking old lady's Good life times. so many times.
1: Good times, man. Creepy origins. That's 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 where we that's where we owe this show. At, you know, at at its. At its basis form, you know, we, we owe this show to like courage the cowardly dog. <laughs> ah man. I gotta watch that show again. That's all we're gonna get. They for were told
0: in a not so dark Going
1: world. towards episode two hundred. That's that's it, are w- Getting, there. It. You're getting
0: you... that milestone.
1: Oh the next couple episodes, I would say when we're when we're counting down to uh the big 200. <gasps> I would say uh, things are definitely gonna get interesting we we'll, we'll see won't we Deputy Dewey? There'll we'll be s- some bones coming out of closets like we'll, we'll, certainly, <laughs> we'll certainly see that's some Alvin Schwartz level scares right there That's nice skeleton pop wait to the days
0: land until we stand at the shore.